Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm well. I caught you off guard there, didn't I? Because just as you were about to start recording, I said something and you weren't. You d- 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 didn't expect it. I thought. I thought. I thought I'd just start, and and even if the intro was ruined, I mean, it's not the first one we've ruined. Yeah, is it? it usually is, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, we're, we're, it's pretty standard, isn't it? Yeah, we we were just discussing myself pouring a um a pint of Guinness, um which I'm currently just finishing off now, just pouring the last little bits in so it can settle nicely. We like to see it. Going through a Guinness phase at the moment. Um, I can safely say I've never had a Guinness phase. Well, that's because you're a child. I uh, all, all I drink is real real cider now. All you drink is tea. And tea, and I've got a cup of tea with a with a hint of honey right now. Oh, I respect that. That's uh, bl- bloody lovely. That is, but yes, I'm quite well now that I poured my beverage. Are you well? I'm okay. Yeah. Um, I uh, start slightly earlier and finish slightly earlier on a Monday. So, yes, I'm good. And uh, my body was caught a bit off guard by um, by the clocks changing. Yes, indeed. So this morning I was quite tired, um, mm. but I'm okay now. I'm glad that you've made a full recovery. So, well, well, yeah, you, you say that. Um, a partial recovery. I'm dead in the brain. Well... That hasn't changed in three years, so you know. Let's let's continue that. Longer, longer. Um, Quite. Okay, so a classic, classic um, introduction from us. (laughs) El Clasico. So today we're here to discuss the Stanley Parable. Jumping straight in there, catching you off guard, and the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is number ninety. No, it's not. That's not true is near the end of the list, but we don't have a number for it because no. this is our first game that was not officially um, part of the lineup that we originally had planned. Yes. Um, first of a few, actually. Uh, this game has a 93 meta score and it does come in at the very tail end of the list. Um, the yeah. version that is on the Metacritic list is... Xbox Series X, released in 2022. The Ultra um, Deluxe version. It is, yes. Ultra Deluxe version. Uh, okay, do you have any history with the Stanley Parable or the Ultra Deluxe edition? Not, play, not playing them, no. Because um, the original... Sta- From what I understand, the original Stanley Parable was like an add-on. It was like a Gary's Mod thing um, back in yes, the correct. early noughties. Um, and it was quite successful. And then I remember, I think it was, um, it, I don't think, I think it was Half-Life 2. So it might've been, um, late noughties. Yes. So it, it, it was basically, um, it was like a fan made game. And then in 2013, they released an actual game called the Stanley Parable, uh, which, which you could buy. And I remember watching, uh, nerd cubed on YouTube, play the demo, which is a bit different from the, the final game. There's, there's no kind of content in there. I don't think, from memory, that that mimics the the the, the release. But it was one of those games that I, I watched and I liked the look of, just because it's very quirky. 
but I'd never played it. And then obviously picking it up for the podcast now in 2022, the Ultra Deluxe, which is the 2013 version, but with some extra stuff. It was the first time I played it. I was aware of quite a lot of the endings that came with it and a few of the jokes because I'd, I'd watched a few playthroughs. I remember when we were at uni, I think when I was with you, we watched DSP play through the Stanley Parable. Um, I know we watched someone playing it. I didn't know it was our good yeah. friend DSP. Yeah, I think it was DSP. So um, yeah, I'd never played it before. This is my first time playing it, but I, I know quite a lot about this game and I've watched quite a few playthroughs of it. What about you? Yeah, so my, my first exposure to this game was um, at university watching someone, maybe DSP, play through it. And I do remember that quite clearly. And a lot of the endings were still surprisingly fresh in my mind from yeah. that maybe we watched a few videos on it um because yeah i although i had never played this before um i was acutely aware of what happens in the original game um and i suppose in a way some of the surprise of that and knowing what it is was taken from me because of that but nevertheless um we played it for the podcast uh, what version did you play i played it on the ps5 um, I, I know that there were quite a few versions that came out. Like you said, there's the Xbox version and the Switch version. I think it might even be on um, phones as well, as well as being on Steam. But I, I decided to get it on PlayStation mostly because it was the cheapest version. Um, I think I picked it yeah. up for about 18 quid, whereas on um, on the Nintendo eShop it was about 26, 27. No, no, it was 20. Oh, okay, so only only a few pounds uh, more. Yes. But yeah, I was, I've been trying to save the pennies lately. So um, yes, but I'm I'm glad that I played it on the PlayStation. Um, is it's one of those games that's quite fun to trophy hunt for. I've only got one trophy left before I before I platinum it. So um, yes, where did you play it? I played it on the Switch. Um, hence me knowing the price. Uh, yeah. So I think this is a good game that for handheld yeah, play. Yeah, it's very much the Switch the game, isn't it? Yeah, played um, Portal 2 on the Switch as well, and that, that went very nicely on the Switch. Um, it always feels like a bit of a a novelty having the Source Engine, or original Source Engine games, I think it's now in Unity, um, playing them on the Switch, especially the Portal the Portal Collection. That, that felt like a real novelty playing that because it hadn't been released elsewhere in a long time, and I, I, I don't think it's still been released in other places. Um but yeah, uh, played it on the Switch. It's a good version. Um, this is a. I'd say that the Ultra Deluxe Edition is a, a, a more polished version of the original version. So you've got um, you've got some better textures and stuff like that. But it's still not an amazing looking game. It's still very much. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It still looks like an, a Half-Life 2 mod in a way, but like a, a nicer version. Um, it's, it looks a lot like Portal, but maybe not without the art style flourishes, I'd say, that that, that game has. Um, I've jumped straight into the visuals already. I'm just completely on the ball today. You are. <laughs> so do you want to talk about the plot of this game? Yes, well, uh, this yes, this is a story of a man named Stanley. Um and occasionally uh, the story of a, a woman called Marielle. But it is, it's a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure game. So the, the plot of the Stanley Parable is that you play as a man named Stanley who works in an office building, and his job all day, every day, is to just press buttons that come up on his computer 
as and when they show up and that's all it is. That's what he's happy with. He's never questioned it. And then one day the the button prompts on his computer stop coming. So he sits down and you know waits for a while until he decides to step out of his office and go to the meeting room to try and find out what's going on um, to find that there's absolutely nobody in his office building. And the game is prompted by the narrator um, and the narrator will give you um, a route to go down so you know as you're playing through he'll go as Stanley walked into this room he went through the door on his left and there are two open doors and you can choose to go through the door on his left or on his right so you can be at odds with the narrator in this game and kind of choose your own ending of which there are I believe in the ultra deluxe 42 so there are 42 different endings one of which includes the the canon you know ending as if you follow the narrator but there are so many different ways that you can play through this game um and spoilers for it, I suppose. If you follow the narrator through, you find out that the building that he works in has a massive mind control facility underneath, which you turn off. But then there are so many different ways it can go down. You can, you know, decide that you have free will and jump off the side of a um, a heightened section in a warehouse. You can walk into a room where a telephone's ringing and you talk to your wife who doesn't really exist. There's, it's a very bizarre game. Um, but yeah, the, the, the plot of the game is effectively you work in an office building, you follow a narrator's instructions if you want to, and chaos ensues in terms of the the outcomes and the endings that you can get, I suppose. Yeah, I think that was a yeah, good description of what isn't an easy plot to describe. It's more of a setup than a plot, yeah. isn't it? And then yeah. you've got the, uh, the different ways that it can unfold. Um, okay, so... You've given us a bit about the setup of the game. What do you actually do in this game? The moment-to-moment gameplay. It's um, it's it's a walking simulator, really. It's a first-person walking simulator where you make choices. It's a decision-based game. Um, at the end of the day, I suppose. So there's there's not really any platforming. There is a, a very small section where you can jump. Uh, it gives you the option to jump and they bring the jump button back from the original Stanley Parable because they got rid of it. But other than that, it is very much uh, an exploration walking simulator would be the, the, the moment-to-moment gameplay, I suppose. Yes, I, 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 I agree. don't know if you'd add anything to that. Not really. Um, there There isn't much you can do apart from walk and interact, which really are the only um, tools that you have at your disposal in a typical walking simulator. Um, sometimes they may give you fast move or sometimes you won't even have an interact button and you trigger things by walking into them. But yeah, this was a genre that kind of... um, I'm sure you could make the argument, as you could with anything, that there were walking simulators before um, the word was... or the phrase was coined and you had that uh, spurt of walking simulators kind of... uh, you had... Dear Esther, you had um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, you had Gone Home, all those um, sort of popular walking simulators that you got. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch and uh, Everybody's the Gone to the Rapture. Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, so yeah, that one as well. So, And, and you, you do still get walking simulators um, and I quite like them. I think they're, they're quite relaxing and there's something nice about just switching off completely and uh, watching things unfold before your eyes in in kind of a way that is unique to walking simulators. Um, 
Okay, so on to our ever-present feature, Gameplay is King. This is going to be an interesting conversation, given we just talked about the extent of the gameplay. Um, is the Stanley Parable fun to play? Yeah, I, I think so. It's that th- th- There isn't really anything to the gameplay. Like we say, it, it is a walking simulator. But if you're someone that, you know, wants to just ha- like kind of zone out and have a bit of fun with a game like this it's one of those things that you can just dip in and out of and really you'll get in you'll get out of it as much as you want to put in um there's a load of random stuff in there but it's it's easy to have a fun time with this game it's a good it's a good laugh um so yes i would say the game is fun what do you think i think um it all hinges on how aware you are of what's going on yeah i think if you if you go in cold i think you'll enjoy this game more i enjoyed the new content a lot more than the stuff that i was previously exposed to um and similarly i think if you take a break from this game and you come back after a while you'll enjoy it more this is not the kind of game where once you've seen the endings you'll want to replay straight away to get the endings if you if you know what i mean um and i think at times when you're replaying paths to unlock branches that may be a bit further along the path it can get a bit dull um i said that to you i think uh yeah when you when you start running the same path over and over again and but you're changing the endings um once you've run through the dialogue a few times sometimes it does change but sometimes it doesn't yeah, it can get a bit um, dull at times. And sometimes I was very aware that I was a bit bored when I was playing it, but then other times I was I was thinking, this is good, I, I like the point this is making. Um, it's a very hard game to describe in gameplay terms because that's not what the game is, that's not what the game is trying to do. Um, so it can be fun, but it can also not be fun. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, can, it can get tedious. The the, yeah. the the game's jokey theme can get a bit tiring after you've been playing it for a while. I, I know where you're coming from with that. But I also think that the creators of this game are fully aware that that is the case and that it's by design. Mm. Um, because there, there are some things, which I'm sure we'll get to, where the creators of this game are very aware of some criticism that was leveled towards it as well as the positive stuff that it received. It's a very, um, it's a very self-aware game. Yes. Like mass, massively so, so. Rather than talking about your favorite move, because that would be pretty redundant. Yes. Yeah. I thought it would be more interesting to talk about your favorite ending for this game. I've got, I've probably got about three, three favorite endings. Um, the first one is one of the very basic ones. So if you decide to follow the narrator's instructions up to the point where you go up to the boss's office, but you instead go downstairs, um, you go through like a repeating um, section, really, where you're, you're walking through a garage and then through a few office spaces. Um, and all of these endings are made by the fact that the narration in this in this game is so good. Um, yes. And very Stephen Fry esque. Oh, massively so. It's it's very British humour. 
um, you know, there's one section where you can lock yourself in a broom broom closet and the narrator gets increasingly frustrated by the fact that you don't leave the broom closet to the point where he's just like, oh, you don't follow instructions at all, do you? Well, I'm not getting annoyed about it. And then a few seconds later, he's like, Stanley was fat and ugly and had no friends and wasn't very good at t- t- <laughs> taking instruction. Um, it's stuff like that. But one of, one of my favourites was where you go downstairs, you go through um, a, a repeating loop to the point where Stanley goes to sleep because he thinks it's all in his head. He wakes up and then the narrator's like, Stanley started screaming. And all of a sudden you come to the end of it, he blacks out and it goes into the story of a lady named Mariella who was on her way to work and finds Stanley's dead body in the middle of the street because he'd just been running around screaming um, because it was all in his head. That's that's a highlight for me. Um, I also like the ending where you get taken into other games um, I, I don't yes. know if you came across that one. You, you go into uh, I didn't, but I know of it because I, I was yes. watching some videos yesterday. Uh, I know you go into Minecraft, you go into Firewatch, you go into um, uh, the car football game, Rocket League. Yes, yes. Yeah. I I don't know if the Minecraft one is still in the Ultra Deluxe. I don't know if they replaced that with um, with Rocket League, maybe. Um, I'm unsure, but yeah, you you go down one ending where you play a game that the narrator's made for you where you have to uh, stop a baby going into the fire and then you can rate it like poor. And they're like, right, okay, then let's go and play a different game. Uh, So it takes you into the world of Firewatch, at which point the narrator immediately freaks out because it's an open world game um, and he doesn't like that. So he then puts you into Rocket League where you can score some goals and then you have to jump down into the goal yourself. Um, so that one was up there and then the final one that I'll mention is um, if you disobey the narrator go into the warehouse um, over this gap and into a room with a phone and if you pick up the phone it takes you into a weird little um, story about Stanley's wife I think from memory but if you unplug the phone then it effectively breaks the entire game and everything gets corrupted Um, that's up there and as well as that if you go down a different branch through the the ultra du- deluxe version um you can get a bucket and you can take the bucket with you and it will give you the same endings but slightly different and if you go down that one and answer the phone with the bucket it um takes you into a, a like a an alternate life timeline where stanley and the bucket are in a relationship um and he goes to work goes home and <laughs> like at the end of it that there's candles all in the bedroom and the buckets on the bed um it's honestly bizarre but those are the ones that stand out to me um i'd say what about you i think of the original endings i like the confusion ending the most um i think is that the one where you end up in the boardroom and there's all the endings on the screen yeah Yeah. and it's the one where it's quite a long one and you're following the adventure line for a long time and you've got the adventure music yeah um i think that's quite amusing and i think that's um quite pointed at many games so the adventure line is akin so we talked about this in the witcher funnily enough linearity um yeah the the, uh the sat nav that the games yes now adopt and yeah the adventure line is a bit representative of that so i like that ending i think that's cool and that's quite sharp the game is at its best when it's sharp and it's kind of commenting on other games um i think my favorite ending overall that i played was uh, one of the new endings which was where the narrator gets nostalgic and he wants to go back in time to relive the glory of uh, the Stanley Parable when it first came out and you get to see reviews. Yes, yeah. You've got Jim, Stephanie Sterling. Um, and yes. And you've got 
the GameSpot review, and and then you, you see the negative reviews that, that people level towards it. And one of the cool bits that you get is a, uh, a skip function, but the skip function doesn't yes. quite work the way that you'd expect it to work. And every time you skip some dialogue from the rambling narrator, um, time passes more and more to the point where eventually there's nothing left. The room that you're in... Um, Basically, like civilization's collapsed, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it crumbles around you and you, you head out into a desert. And I know that one of the other endings, you go back into the desert as well. Yes, um, that's the uh, the epilogue. Yes. So I think that was my favourite. and It was nice because it took you out of that office structure, whereas I feel like the, a lot of the original endings are confined to that office structure. Yeah. Um, whereas the newer stuff takes you out of that a bit did you did you get, get the yours. the elevator ending uh what's the elevator ending so you know um I, I mean it's too late now we said spoilers already but you know spoilers for all of the endings in the game um you know as you go through the boss's office and down into the elevator yes. so basically if you go down the elevator and then go back up and then go down again and then back up and then down again and then back up you get an ending where effectively the narrator um sets a press conference up for stanley to talk about um i can't even remember what it's to talk I did about see about that and um if, yeah. if 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 you do it on your own then you go and do this press conference and like there are thousands of people there cheering your name and clapping you and stuff and you go through the stage door um but if you do it with the bucket nobody turns up to see you and uh, stanley gets depressed it's just so random yeah there's also um there's also an ending where you go behind the scenes and it shows you um, some of the making of the Stanley Parable. Yes. Uh, you're in sort of a museum and you can also go there with a the bucket as well and it all yeah. becomes about... Buckets. A bucket museum. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's it's amusing. As I say, I think some of the endings are better than others. I think the game is at its best when it's sharp, irreverent. Yes. Um, I do think it takes some swings and misses uh, with some of its endings. But when you've got that many endings, not all of them uh, are going to be made equal. No, um, right. So let's talk about, I know we, we touched on the presentation and the audio a bit. So let's talk about the presentation and the audio. So what do you think of it? I The, the, the presentation is very much akin to like a, probably like a PS3 era game, like late, late stage PS3 level game, I think. Um It, it looks fine for what it is, but the, the, the aesthetic isn't really what they're looking at. They're, they're, they're making an office setting with a few different things here and there. But then, you know, some elements of the game, they make really cool little areas that you wouldn't find unless you kind of really look for them. Um, like the in the new content, you know, going into a massive ex- expo um, yes. place to see all of the stuff that the narrator set up for the Stanley yeah. Parable 2. Um, so I think the, the, the look and the design of it's fine. Um, and there isn't really much music in this game to talk about. There are a few sections here or there where music will come on, which is which is quite cool. And there's a couple of original songs written in there. Um, like if you get a glitch ending where you jump down to the bottom of the mind control facility, um, they play you a little song um, that was written about finding the bottom of the, the hole or something like that. Um, but the, the, the standout thing in this game is the narrator and uh, the voice acting of the actor the voice acting of the actor, the voice acting of the narrator, um, because that is really what makes this game what it is, I think. Um, if they'd got the narration on this game wrong, it would have, I don't think it would have worked. 
Um, I no. think it works so well because it's a um, it's it's very British humour, um, and the the, yes. the voice actor that did the narrator is a, a chap called Kevin Brighting. Kevin Bright, yeah, I was gonna say. Um, and yeah, I think he's the the standout in this game. He's he's the only voice you'll hear other than um, like a woman narrator in the museum, and I think that's about it. Um, You've got the the wife on the phone. Oh yeah, the wife on the phone as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, the the narrator in this game and the voice acting steals the show. Really, I don't think this game would be as successful successful if it didn't have this guy doing the voice acting. You know. Yeah, I think there's um, those games that spawned from Half Life Two. I think they all. You, you can look at a screenshot and you can tell that these games spawned from Half Life Two. Um, they they all have this look of Half Life Two about them, and I think this very much does as well. Yeah. I think some of the games that use the Source engine moved away from that bit. I know, uh, so, every, oh no, so, um, Dear Esther, so they, I know that they remastered that and that started to look quite different and quite nice um, with its Hebrides, its Outer Hebrides, I think it's Outer Hebrides setting. Yeah. Um, so, and the other one, I'm going to tell, tell you a little story now. Um, we like a little story. So Half-Life 2 came out. It was using the Source Engine. There were two games at the time that used the Source Engine um, originally. And they were both in development at the same time. One got a hell of a lot of funding. One got less funding and kind of came out under a bit of... Um, uh, it just came out very quietly. So the first game obviously is Half-Life 2. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And the second game is a game that will 100% be on my 15 games. It's a game called Vampire the Masquerade Reckoning. Oh no, sorry, no. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. There's, a, there's another game called Vampire the Masquerade Reckoning. Um, Vamp- Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. And uh, that used the Source engine. And looks very nice but also looks quite visually distinctive from Half-Life. Right. Um because I think it was being developed on that engine at the same time they kind of took it in a wildly different direction and the the art style is completely different and it's a it's a it's a fantastic game I think. Um and we'll be playing that at some point so look forward to that. Um the other thing I wanted to mention about the audio is uh Another game that we played on this list, uh, Little Big Planet, with its Stephen Fry narration, really. I forgot that off. Stephen Fry uh, Stephen Fry narrated that game. It's been so long since we played that for the podcast. Yeah, it's probably about three years now. That yeah, was, that was quite an early one. Um, so, I read something. This isn't my thought. This is a, a, a borrowed or stolen thought, which is what we do. Thief. Um, yes, precisely. Uh, so. That game, Little Big Planet, with Stephen Fry doing the voice work, it kind of um, heralded a bit of a resurgence of these British old, older gentlemen narrators yes. of a certain class um, with a certain type of dry humour um, doing doing narration in these games, and this game therefore owes Little Big Planet and Stephen Fry. A debt in that I think that I'm I'm almost certain that that game influenced this game 
in terms of the narration. Um, so, yeah, that was just a bit of a tidbit to throw in there. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think the Stephen Fry stuff definitely acts as a, a jumping off point. Yeah, and, and I also think with this game particularly, the guy that they got sounds a lot like Stephen Fry. He does, yeah. it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's uncanny, but it's definitely noticeable. Yeah, it's it's not it's not necessarily the intonation or or even the accent. It's um, it's the delivery. It's yeah. all about the the yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a very similar delivery and and yeah. Um, okay, so on to our question of the week. This game has um, this this game makes commentary about a lot of topics. One of the foremost things that this game makes commentary on is uh, choice and decision-making in games. So, I think this game does a nice job of condensing that conversation about um, choice in games and how there are two doors, and if you take one door... Basically, if you mapped out the the, the decision-making in this game, it would be um, quite condensed compared to some other choice-based game, but I think it's very effective in really giving the average player a picture of um, how choices are, are handled in games. So my question of the week is, which game do you think handles choice the best? Um, can you answer first, if you have an answer? Yeah, so well, I've I got think... um, a few ideas. So first of all, I want to talk about um, a game that I don't think handles choice that well, that initially seems like it does handle choice very well. Um, So that's Telltale series of games where your first Telltale game, which I I remember very fondly, which was The Walking Dead for me, um, and I played that at university, and I thought, "This this is really quite special and what the decisions I'm making are having an impact on the story and there's that famous thing of blah 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 we'll remember that yeah um, <laughs> and then the more telltale games you play the more you kind of realize that your your decisions are, are not really impacting the story I think the game that really struck me with that was Game of Thrones the telltale game um, where Whatever I did, the game was going to end a certain way because it fed into the TV narrative and there was nothing that I could do to stop that from happening. So basically it rendered all my decision making up to that point pointless and that kind of exposed um, the Telltale series for me. That's not to say that they're not still enjoyable because they can be, but I I think that's a flawed... um, choice making game now a game that i think does it quite well that had a massive budget is um i don't know if you played this on the ps4 detroit become human yes so that game had a big budget obviously a lot of time spent on these different pathways and one of the things that the game shows you is the different pathways you can take and there are a huge number of them yeah and it just goes to show the reason why a lot of games don't have fully fleshed out choices is because people have to create those, have to create those environments, those um, characters that go along with that. And 
it's a big risk creating a part of a game that maybe the vast majority of your players aren't going to see. So um, a game like Detroit, it was the centre of that game and I think they handled it really well. I don't think it's the best game in the world, but that was one thing that, I, that really struck me about it was the way that they handled the choice making and how different it could be depending on the choices that you made. Mm. Um, another game that I've already referenced that I think handles choice making very well is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. So at the beginning of that game, you choose your character type and based on the character type you pick, you can have a completely different experience. So you can pick sort of a standard vampire and you can um, you can walk around at night time and people won't really bat an eyelid to you. Um, but the extreme is you can also pick to play as Nosferatu. And if you pick to play as Nosferatu, um, you have to travel around via the sewers and you can't go out um, because everyone's scared of you because you look so vampire-esque. Yes. And all of the characters are not equally uh, given that much weight, but the fact that you can play this game in two wildly different ways, depending on the character that you pick, um, I think it deserves a bit of a, a tip of the hat. And that's my uh, conclusion. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've not heard of... Um... I've not, I've not even heard of that game that you you mentioned the vampire one. So that would be that would be interesting when we come to it. Um, whilst you were doing a little bit of talking, now I was doing a little bit of thinking, whilst also doing a little bit of listening, because um, I'm good at multitasking. And I'll give you, I, I agree with you in Detroit becoming human. That was uh, Detroit become human. That was one of the ones that I thought of, but it's one that you're not going to be able to comment on yet. Um, but the first one that came to mind in terms of good... I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You're going to say the game that we're playing next in the podcast, aren't Correct. You? Disco Elysium. Um, the, the decisions that you make in that game don't tend to too much change the ending of how it goes, but the choices that you make will affect how you get there, um, what happens at the end of the game and some of the relationships that you have because the way that you get your your protagonist to talk to people and act around people and you know do certain things or not do certain things has a direct effect to your environment around you um which i think works really well and is one of the reasons it's such a good game um so i would say disco elysium is definitely up there for me in terms of you know choices made and and all that kind of stuff, but you'll 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 see what I mean when when we play it because that's the game that we're doing next on the podcast. Um, yes. Spoilers. Yes, spoilers. But uh, yes, I, I would say Disco Elysium would be up there. But yeah, a hundred percent Detroit Become Human, and you could probably say even though it was done in a very clunky, ham-fisted way, a heavy rain um, to, to yeah. some extent. Yeah, it was it was sort sort of the blueprint for, for yes. Detroit Become Human, and you could kill various characters at certain points in the game and they disappeared from the game as well as um, um as well as the the other game that that company did the one with um what now elliot page i can't remember the name of the game though oh you mean um <sighs> yes that one uh, it will come, it will, yeah it will come to me yeah um, but you, you've also got beyond, as well beyond, yeah beyond something like that yeah um but thinking beyond of it you've you, you've also got um until dawn um, that I could probably yeah, reference. Yeah, that's a good say, game. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, another game where you can kill off the characters, and yeah, I, I really like I, I liked Until that. Dawn. Um, I've not played the sequel. I've the got quarry it. Quarry was also so the Quarry was almost a, a bit of a spiritual sequel to Until Dawn, and that was also very good for that. Well, um, some of their other games, the Dark Pictured, Pictures ones, vary in quality, but they don't seem to have the budget that those other two have. Well, there, there was a follow-up to Until Dawn, um, which I, d- I don't think it's a direct sequel, but it's by I'm pretty sure it's by the same developers, and it's kind of in the same ilk as Until Dawn. Um, I've got it because it was a PS Plus game. I've not played it uh, yet, which yeah, was... You're um, talking about the, um, the, the the circus one. That's, that's, um, I that don't know if it's a circus for... one. Oh, the, 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 the PSVR one? Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. That's um, that's that's an on rail shooter kind of game. Um, I'm talking about. Uh, so what, what one are you talking about? Because I don't. What what game are you talking about? The Quarry. No, I'm talking about Man of Medan. Oh, so so that's Dark Pictures. That's what I just mentioned. Ah, got is, uh, Their their other line of games, the Dark Pictures oh, anthology, I see. which includes Man of Medan, um, and three other games now. Some and other they're, things. They're, they're about to do season two. So yeah, so they they um. They're good. They're not quite as good as Until Dawn, um, because they they seem to have a smaller budget. But yeah, they are good and they're they're quite entertaining. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah, that's that's a good one as well. Uh, for the, I, I was watching a game developers conference um, topic about choice in video games and basically saying that choice is an illusion um, in video games because the fact is. The developers are fully in control of what you do and what you see and how you see it. So uh, it's all about smoke and mirrors and making you feel like you've got that choice. And, and I think some games uh, mask that better than others. But then I do think there are things that break that rule, which are things like Detroit Become Human, where you do have these fully formed pathways. Um, and on your first playthrough, you're only going to see parts of that game. Yes. You'll go to areas that you may not see Um in other playthroughs so it's an interesting topic and i i find choice in video games an interesting one um okay so on to our wrap up does the stanley parable ultra deluxe edition deserve to be on the list no i um i, I really really like this game um, this is probably the most fun that I've had with a game on the podcast for a while. And like I said, I, I knew a bit about this game beforehand. I'd watched some playthroughs. I'd seen some endings. But the kind of humour in this game is right up my street. Um, it reminds me very much... It's, it's like a very gimmicky comedy game. It reminds me very much of a game called Jazz Punk that I, I think came out in 2013 as well. Um, which if you've not heard of, you should, you should have a look because it, it's a good laugh. Uh, but I think it is only a Steam game unless it came out on Switch, but I'm not sure. Um, but no, I, I don't think this deserves to be in the top 100 video games of all time, you know, when you compare it to some of the other games that are on the list. And obviously this is this is a relative relative newcomer to the, to the list. We don't have a, a placement for this uh, in terms of the top 100 because the only two coming up that we will have a place for in the top 100 in terms of number placement is going to be Breath of the Wild and... Half-Life Alex, um, but Correct. no, I wouldn't say this is in the top 100 games of all time. But it is a game that I would, um, I would encourage people to play because it is a good laugh, it is a good time, and it is a very good game. It's just not, you know, top 100 material, I don't think. Um, but it is a lot of fun. I, I'd, I'd say. What do you think? I think it's a really 
hard game to discuss, and I think we we may have um, we may have touched on that in the episode. Hopefully, we touched on that. It is a really hard game to discuss because I think when it came out, it really did have a lot to say. I think the new content has quite a bit to say about sequels and about yeah. um, about the glory days when a game comes out and the reviews being positive and how over time maybe it's looked at less positively and you get detractors and yeah it's, it's I think it's got some points I feel like its teeth aren't as sharp as they once were I think it's dulled a bit since it came out and I wonder and this is a genuine wonderment um I wonder if it will still be um a in, sharp... in the list yeah, if it will still maintain that edge that it does still have, just about. Um, I know what I think, obviously, based on the way I just phrased it, in, in 10 years' time. Um, I feel like it, it still has something to say, but I think some of the stuff that it was trying to say, some games have started to address those issues, so maybe they're not as big a... Maybe the commentary isn't as quite as self-aware as it once was. And it's still entertaining. And if you're going into this game cold, which you're probably not because we've spoiled the vast majority for you, um, then you'll probably get a lot out of it. But if you do know the story, it's still probably worth experiencing. I agree with you. Um, But you take all that stuff away. You take away the narrator. You take away the commentary about other games. Um, there's just not much to it and I do think there's a big difference between something like this and Dear Esther which is sort of pushing for games as are a bit self-indulgent but still quite enjoyable telling a nice story um, for me anyway and then something like this which is very self-aware of what it's doing um, and almost along for the ride with the player that being said yeah i don't think it deserves to be on the list um there's there's so much stuff in this game that i think you can miss and like i've I've just googled it just now because it was one of those things i couldn't remember what the exact thing was but i remember it being funny in the demo so it isn't even in the final game so a lot of people won't even have experienced this content but in the in the in the demo, it's like I say, it's a completely different experience. The actual game, but you can go into this room where it's like, and here is a room where you can press a lot of different buttons. Now, would you like to press a random button and see what it says about you? And you press a button, and the narrator will say, "Did you know that ninety four percent of all people who select that particular button are sexual predators?" And like, it's just humour like that that isn't even in the full game that really tickles me, and I think really sets this game aside. But I think we agree with each other here. It doesn't deserve to be in the list, but it's worth it's worth a look, you know. Yeah, you get you get the old games that are just hard to discuss, and this is one of them. Mm. Um, but for good reasons, yeah. not not for bad reasons. Yeah, yeah, certainly not for bad reasons. I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 my wrap up. I don't really have much more to say about it. That's that's the wrap up. Um, well. Um, Yes, quite. 
So you've, we've already touched on what's coming up. What's coming up is Disco Elysium. Yes. Um, that's coming in a couple of weeks because we've got a bit of a spotty April because we're both away at various points. Yes. I'm, um, so I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going away on the day this episode drops and then I'll be back on the weekend and then you're going away. And then I think the two weeks after that, I'm going away to Korea and we're just very, we're just very busy, aren't we? Yeah, so um, the next episode will drop on... Your head. 13th, I think. I think it's the 13th yeah. of April. Sounds about right. Um, yes. So, look forward to that. It's a game that you um, have enjoyed a couple of times before and a game I've never played. I have. But I, uh, I've heard good things about it. So, yeah. Um, cautiously optimistic about that one. Also, um, while I think about it, did you get the blobby ending? <laughs> I almost forgot about the uh, the old blobby reference. Yeah, it only so just came good, to me good just job then. You're on the ball. Thank you so much. Yeah, the, the blobby ending was one of my personal favourites, and you know, as a British institution, so the narrator made sure that it was included. Um, quite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as always, you we'll can get fo- our blobby reference in a bit sharper next time. Maybe, perhaps, you can make a reference to Blobby when we reference Kuno, who you'll come to to love. Um, but yes, as always, you can reach us on uh, email at longshortbitpodcast at hotmail.com. We're on social media, longshortbitpodcast. If you like the episode, you can share it, you can like it, rate it on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. It'd be very much appreciated. But yes, we'll see you in two weeks' time for Disco Elysium. Um, and yes, we hope you enjoyed our episode on the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe Edition. But anything else from you? No, that's it from me. Lovely. We'll see you next time for Disco Elysium. In the meantime, take care and cheerio. See you on the next one.